If you're new here at Truth and Rock, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. This is my good buddy, Skip. I realized just a second ago I made a critical error. What's that? I set my water bowl next to yours. I saw that too, and I was... And I'm not sure which is which. But Gary knows. He was watching. Gary no, you don't know? know? Okay. I think it's this one. I, didn't, I only took like two swigs. Don't worry. I only have three sick children, so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we're pastors here at Church on the Rock. Uh, if you are new here and you want to get connected and you'd like to be in the uh, cycle of information uh, that goes out about upcoming opportunities for your growth, uh, you can make your way over to the info table after the service and fill out a guest card. Uh, if you do so, uh, they have a gift for you there. The gift actually comes from overseas, comes from a ministry that we support. Uh, There's a story behind that, but they'll give you a gift. They'll give you some information about opportunities here at Church on the Rock. Uh, but most importantly, and this is probably my favorite weekly reminder, even for us, right? But if you're new, uh, God not only sent his son to the earth, but when his son left, he sent his spirit uh, to be with us. And the spirit of God, your creator, uh, the creator of the universe, uh, has sent his spirit to be here in this gymnasium this morning to speak to you. And it's our confident expectation based on the promise of God and our prayers uh, that he will do that this morning as you uh, open yourself to hear from him and receive from him. And towards that end, uh, you're going to be taking us into that story uh, this morning. Let me pray for you, and then we'll dive in. Okay. God, I do thank you for, again, for your word and uh, the gift that it is to us, uh, the testimony of those who walked with you, who... Uh, saw firsthand uh, your coming to this earth, your ministry here. Um, we just thank you for the scriptures. And I thank you too uh, for Skip and the gift of teaching that you have placed in him for our benefit. And again, I ask this morning that we would maximize that benefit with uh, open hearts, open ears to hear and receive from you. Uh, we love you and we commit this time to you and your purposes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I send this home with you? Well, good morning. Oh, there it is. We do want to welcome you. So glad to uh, be with you all on Christmas Sunday. Um, I want to talk to this morning. I, you know, I imagine that, that there are those of you that come with all kinds of different thoughts about church, about uh, different church tradition, about traditions, about how we approach the scripture, uh, about uh, different thoughts about uh, what it is to, to be a human on the earth who is experiencing uh, a life with God. I so appreciate our, our Lord's uh, graciousness to us. Um, those, even those of us uh, who, who may be wondering about the role of Scripture in your life, even in his own Bible, he begins by speaking in very, uh, very general terms to people uh, uh, and saying, let me, let me describe for you uh, part of the human experience of walking with God. He does this through a series of very simple stories before he actually gets into the, the tradition of the nation of Israel and later the traditions of Christianity. He begins talking to us about the human experience by telling us the story of a man named Cain. 
And as we read the story of Cain, it's actually, we often call that the story of Cain and Abel, but it's not. It's really the story of Cain. And as we read that story, we discover that we were actually made for dependence. You know, in the good, good old U.S. of A., we celebrate independence, and that's a big value for us. But the truth is, God says, no, no, for, for people to walk with me, I have made them to be dependent. It's a part of the human experience. Then he moves on and tells a, a story of a global flood. And in that story, he talks about, he reveals to us the, the very beginnings of, of, of peace of our human experience. And that is that the pathway to life for us as humans, the pathway of life for us is through death. And so he begins to tell a story about how the world itself was baptized, going through the waters, experiencing the death, so that on the other side of that death, there might be life, an abundant life. This is a part of our human experience, to move towards life even through death. And then he tells the story of the Tower of Babel, which is really what's on my mind this morning. The story of the Tower of Babel. These men and women gather in one place, and they begin to build this tower that reaches up to the heavens. And the scripture says that uh, when the Lord looked down and saw this tower that they had built in an effort to achieve him, he came down. And you know what happened next. The, the languages were confused and people were scattered all over the earth. We often read that story and we think this is a story of explaining how the different languages came about. How we went from Merry Christmas to Feliz Navidad, right? Uh, well, that's actually not the case at all. That is a result of that story. But the truth is, the point of that story is that you cannot reach up to him without him first coming down to you. He comes down. The, the God of the universe knows you. He's aware of you. And even as we work to... To, uh, to try to achieve some kind of purpose, some kind of value. By the way, let me just say that uh, over the next couple weeks, Pastor Aaron and I are going to be uh, bringing some messages from uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, which is just a great book for processing and wrestling with some of the, the larger questions of life. Um, that's in the next couple weeks. And then actually after that, we're going to be talking about Song of Solomon, which if you're new to the Bible... That's going to be juicy. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, so. But this story, the Tower of Babel, God came near. God in heaven comes to earth to meet man where he is. You have his attention. It's a part of the human experience, what it is to walk as people on the earth before God. You have his attention, his eye is on you. He's aware of you. Last week I taught on the, the wise men. And if you're familiar with that story at all, the, uh, uh, the, the wise men are a group of Babylonian uh, 
scientists, leaders who, who have been watching these events in the heavens. And, and as they've watched the night sky, they've noticed a, a comet moving through a, a handful of the constellations. And they were recalling a prophecy in the Hebrew scriptures about a star that would arise out of Judah and it would announce the birth of the coming king. And so as they watched that star move across the night sky, they were so compelled that they packed up and headed towards Israel to find this newborn king. And as they moved into Israel, they were looking for a little more specific direction than the star in the sky. And so they went to a place that it only made sense to look for a king in a palace. And so they found their, their way to Herod's palace, looking for Jesus. And uh, they had an encounter with Herod, describing their journey, what they were looking for. Eventually, they left Herod, and they found Jesus and his mother, and there they worshiped him. But they had already clued Herod into the search for his replacement king. Herod, uh, a wicked king, uh, a king whose reign was very familiar with um, unnecessary, unjust murder. Even, even among his own family, anyone who would usurp his authority, he would seek to destroy them. And so once Herod caught wind that there was a baby born in Bethlehem, who would, uh, who would one day dethrone him, uh, Herod was motivated to find this baby and destroy it. And last week, as I was preparing that message, I wanted to focus on the wise men. And the truth is, uh, the very gruesome second half of that story, I wanted desperately to avoid. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't necessary to the point I was making last week, and so I very skillfully dodged the bullet. Except that all this week, my thoughts keep returning to it. And I would say, surely there's something else that we can talk about on Christmas morning than the tragedy of the wise men's sequel, right? Where Herod goes into Bethlehem and seeks out and kills probably 20 or 30 uh, two-year-old boys and younger. I was haunted this week by the story I had hoped to avoid. It's just there was something more to it. There was a, a particular piece of information that I found in that passage that my thoughts kept returning to over and over and over again. Uh, and so, I want to turn to that passage now in obedience and, and read the rest of the story of the wise men in Herod to you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2. Starting at verse 13, and it's on the screen as well. So now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord, the they is the wise men, when they, the wise men, had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, Mary's betrothed Jesus' stepfather, if you will, 
The Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A verse was, excuse me, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. It's gruesome, isn't it? Think about uh, this whole story, the contrast of the two women named in this story. Here we have Mary, this woman who is on, let's face it, she is on an adventure like none other, right? Uh, She has been noticed by the Lord, and the Lord has come to her and said, I would like to invite you into an opportunity. I have have destined you for this great deed, the, the, the opportunity to give birth to and then raise the Son of God, who will be the Savior of the world, Mary. And Mary is concerned at first. She's She's confused about the whole thing, but she, with great faith, agrees to this this invitation. She says, let it be done to me. As you have said, I am your servant. And so Mary uh, is betrothed to Joseph. Joseph decides to go ahead and marry her, even though there is some tabooness, right? Is that a word? Tabooness? To that whole scenario. It's taboo, and she, he decides to marry her anyway, and the two of them are forced now in their young betrothal to, uh, to go to uh, Bethlehem, where Joseph's family is from, because the government has required a census. And while they are there in Bethlehem, Mary gives birth to this baby boy, this fat, darling, little baby boy. You know, we've... We've, uh, we've taken great, over the last 2,000 years, we've greaten, taken great artistic freedoms with what Jesus might look like, right? We've made him blonde and blue-eyed. Of course, he wasn't. You know that, right? Yeah. And I don't know if Jesus was fat when he was a baby, but I want him to have large thighs. That's how I want him. And so my Jesus had these fat thighs that you just want to chew on. You know what I mean? You just want to bite into them. <laughs> Pinch those fat thighs. This darling, sweet, smell-good baby boy in Mary's arms. Not only does Mary get the baby, but she's also got a good man. This man, Joseph, a man of character, who is standing up for her, defending her. She is a real prize. He is attentively obedient to the Lord. Not only that, but Joseph is a man who has the courage to, in the middle of the night, when he has this dream of this angel's warning, to get up and get his wife and this baby boy together and to leave in the middle of the night to to go to Egypt and escape the King Herod's wrath. 
You know, he's a good man. Uh, uh, was it this summer when we had the, the earthquake in the middle of the night? Do you remember that? Was that this summer? Yeah, I, I remember. I jumped out of bed. And then I realized it's an earthquake. And then there's always, you know, when the, earth, when the earthquakes are long, there's always like that second where you're like, if it lasts another two seconds, we got to do something, right? And, uh, and of course, I just waited for that. And, and it didn't happen. And so I jumped back in bed. <laughs> uh, thankfully, Jason Weiser actually called my wife and said, you know, we're evacuating the neighborhood because there's a tsunami warning. And just imagine if he hadn't have done that, I would have had a, a good night's sleep <laughs> because nothing happened. But Joseph and Mary, they didn't have that. Mary actually had a husband who was courageous enough to jump out of bed and obey the Lord and move his family to Egypt in the middle of the night. Mary, Mary is clearly one on whom God's favor rests. She got the baby and she got the man, right? Christmas time really is wonderful, isn't it? I mean, there's so much to celebrate at Christmas time. It is appropriate for us to give us to give a day out of our year and make it sacred, set it apart, a day for celebrating Jesus coming in the form of a man, uh, a day for celebrating uh, his, his, um, his incarnation and his movement to the cross for our salvation, a day to celebrate the sacrifice of Mary and Joseph and the wise men, for sure. Even in secular celebration of this holiday, uh, it's appropriate to honor family and to honor peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and even generosity, thoughtfulness. All of those things are appropriate and they fit nicely in our celebration of Christmas. Christmas time truly is wonderful. But have you noticed that Christmas time also makes uh, highlights things that can be difficult. That the traditions that surround Christmas time make us aware of um, the empty seat at the table. Uh, the, the way that so-and-so in our family uh, used to do that piece of the tradition. Christmas time has a way of making us aware of uh, the losses in our lives, um, making us aware of the things that we've never even had, right? The things we struggle with. The dull ache that we spend all year suppressing at Christmas time bubbles so that it is just below the surface. We feel not like one on whom his favor rests, but sometimes, in some ways, Christmas time causes us to feel like ones who are living in darkness. When we contrast the story of Mary 
to the story of Rachel, we realize we're watching the human experience. Rachel is a woman who, uh, without any explanation, without seeing it coming, abruptly loses this child of hers. And the heartache that comes as a result of that, without, without reason, without justice, without even an opportunity to prepare her heart for that loss, she has this heart-wrenching heartbreak, this terrible experience. Her pathway is now absolutely moving through death. Scripture says that Rachel is a woman who, who could not be comforted. Her loss was so great. And now you know, now you're clued into that particular piece of information that has drawn my thoughts back to this story all week long. I have become aware of a piece of this story that I've never noticed before. The names of these two women, Mary, Rachel, when we look at this story, no one else has a proper name other than Jesus. I mentioned last week that Herod had a proper name, but even Herod is not really his name, it's his title. The only other proper names are Mary and Rachel. The 500 years before, the Lord was aware of a woman named Rachel. That Rachel has no other part in this story. We have no other experience with her. She does not participate in the Christmas story except to experience great loss. And the Lord knew her loss. The Lord was aware of her name. He knew her. Rachel's loss was prophesied about hundreds of years earlier. It says, Rachel, I know you. Rachel, I've seen your sorrow. I've seen your loss. I have come to the earth. I am making myself intimately aware with your struggle. Rachel, I have hemmed you in behind and before. Rachel, I have known your thoughts from afar. I have knitted you together in your mother's womb. Rachel, I know you. I know your name. I see your pain. The Lord is aware of you. He has come near to you as an individual. Jesus' humanity means for us that he is able to sympathize with our experience. As I thought about this message, uh, it it is not meant to be emotionally manipulative. In fact, uh, even as I was preparing, I, I, I don't always do this, but I shared with our staff 
I said, is this even appropriate for Christmas morning, right? I, I do not want to be emotionally manipulative. In fact, I would say, remind you again, that the scripture says that Rachel could not be comforted, right? That there was a loss and a sorrow there that only she knew uh, that, was, that was deep and uh, was not going to be moved through, pushed aside, overlooked, uh, but was going to be honored. I bring this to your attention, the fact that Jesus, that, that, that the Lord knew Rachel's name uh, not to be emotionally manipulative, but it is meant as an invitation, an invitation to take full advantage of his gaze, to consider the implications of his awareness of you. And whatever makes this Christmas season difficult, whatever loss you're working through or processing or living with, maybe that's more appropriate, maybe that's more accurate, whatever that is, he comes near. He knows it. He's interested in it. He's aware of you. He's not aware of pushing you through. He's not aware of or, or, or necessarily even interested in getting you to the other side, but joining you in that. He knows your name. That, that prophecy in Jeremiah where that, where that passage comes from tells us the so what. Like, what is the value of him knowing our name? Jeremiah 31, 20. The Lord says, Therefore, because I knew her name, because I was aware of you in your suffering, therefore my heart yearns for him. He's speaking of, uh, of uh, the, uh, the Ephraimite. It's all prof- prophet talk, but just roll with it. Uh, he's speaking to you. He says, I know your name, therefore my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. The Lord desires to draw you near him as well. You have his attention. You're not overlooked. Those of you, some of you, I got permission uh, from my wife to share this story, um, which actually... um, if I ever share a story that's personal of somebody else, I almost always get permission ahead of time, just so you know. Um, unless I suspect that they won't give me that permission. Then I, <laughs> I, like to, I like to surprise them. It's usually Aaron Weiser, but he loves surprises, and he loves to be the center of attention. So, <laughs> But I did get permission. Those of you that have been in town for a while, uh, you may remember that my wife, uh, since she was uh, about nine years old, uh, had an uh, undiagnosed um, illness that basically, um, for the most part, left her at home. She kind of jokingly, only it's not a joke, talks about how she spent 20 years on the couch. Some of you remember that, right? Uh, years of... Years of going to the doctor with real symptoms, real physical struggle, and no one knowing what to do with that, 
right? Years of, of uh, trying this and it failing, hoping for that and it failing. Years and years, 20 years of that kind of wrestling with health. She describes the struggle of feeling like no one understands because in reality, no one understood, right? Years of feeling like uh, being frustrated with being misdiagnosed and, and, uh, uh, and even eventually overlooked. And she, she describes a song that really ministered to her in times when she felt like there would be no life for her, right? There would be no, 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 nothing for her to hope for. At those moments, the Lord would bring to mind this song, and maybe you know it, He Knows My Name, a song to encourage her that even if no one else can appreciate her very personal quiet, private struggle. He knows her name. He sees her. He's aware of her. And eventually, uh, the Lord did bring some recovery, some aid. Uh, In fact, I would say, um, what you see now is a miracle. Uh, It all happened about the time I came into her life. Make of that what you will. <laughs> no, no, I don't want any credit for that. I give, uh, I'll give credit to the Lord. But we were married, and about a year and a half later, uh, she gave birth to Seidel, our oldest daughter, a gift from the Lord, a gift that even a few years earlier seemed like an impossibility. But here this day, April 23rd, I think it is, Seidel's, the day after Seidel's birthday, we had been away for a couple of days and the house was cold. Uh, We used to live in this little teeny tiny house on Mission Road. We came home, she's she's sore, we've got this baby, and she was just ready for bed. She went right to bed and I brought Seidel to her, laid her uh, on her chest while she tried to get warm, and I was about to go build a fire. I said, you want me to turn the radio on? Something to occupy your mind? We turn on the radio, and he knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear I cry and hears me when I call. This is the words that are coming to her from the radio. The Lord knew her name. When no one else could appreciate the sorrow, when no one else could appreciate the loss, when everything around her highlighted what she didn't have, the Lord knew her name. Rachel, I'm aware of you. Rachel, you have my attention. Rachel, you are precious to me, I am come near. I am with you. I will be with you through this. It is the message of Christmas. In the midst of our experience, he is attentive to you. He has come down. 
And while it's true that our path moves through difficult experiences, He is able to lead us to life through that difficult time, not in spite of it, but through it. And our redemptive response to those difficult times is to become and embrace our dependence. It is the human experience, the Christmas experience. I want to invite the worship team forward. Often, it's helpful to make uh, clear decisions, right? Often it's helpful to know that there was a time when I thought through some things so that when things are difficult, we say, no, there was, a, there was a moment in time when I weighed all of this out and I made a clear decision to respond like this, right? You know, the truth is that Mary got to keep the baby and Rachel lost hers. But Rachel one day, or excuse me, Mary one day would stand at the foot of the cross losing her baby. And there he is, a grown man, being crucified unjustly to her with, with very little setup, without, without, with very little pre-knowledge or understanding of what would happen. All of a sudden, there he is being crucified on her behalf. And Jesus also lost his life to a prideful king. And ultimately, we depend on that gift of Jesus giving up his life for our salvation. His sacrifice is the substitute for our own death, our own distance from the Lord. The offenses uh, that are causing distance between us and God are settled at Jesus' expense leaving us only to experience God's presence in all of our circumstances. The joyful ones and the ones where we are desperately alone. The ones where we are inconsolable. So I just say this morning, this is an invitation for you to Commit to turning your attention to the one whose gaze is on you. An invitation to decide this morning, I'm going to respond to the Lord in dependence, choosing to draw from him all the benefits that come from him knowing my name, his compassion, his care. I'm going to turn my attention to him as he has turned his attention to me. Would you stand? We classically at Church on the Rock, have, we provide uh, four opportunities for a response. We have around the room set up these tables with juice and bread, an opportunity to remember Jesus' sacrifice. It's broken body, his shed blood. We have offering receptacles around the room. You're, you're more than welcome to support the ministry of Church on the Rock. 
We have people that will be standing off to the side that would be glad to go with you to the throne. As you turn your attention to the God who has turned his attention towards you, they would, they would love to pray with you. And I would say too about that, if you're someone this morning who has never, never uh, uh, encountered the Lord, you have never, never made the decision, even in the first place, to put all of your dependence on Jesus and his sacrifice for your salvation. If that's you this morning, uh, make a quality decision this morning. And, uh, and the people off to the side would be glad to pray with you or, or myself or Aaron. Really, this room is full of people that would be able to pray with you a prayer of salvation. Uh, and of course, we're going to worship the Lord. Remember his character. Remember the benefits of, of this God who has turned his attention towards us. So let's sing. Well, it's Christmas time, and there is certainly a lot to celebrate, right? This is, uh, we celebrate the beginning of our salvation being fulfilled. Jesus coming to the earth as a man on his way to a cross. There is reason for great joy. But if you're someone this Christmas who is wrestling with getting to the joy for whatever reason, uh, maybe you will be satisfied this Christmas simply with his presence, right? To turn your attention and enjoy the gift of Jesus' presence in your life. His spirit moving, giving direction, right? So may that be your blessing this year. I want to remind you that because of the Christmas holiday, we actually don't have youth group tonight of any kind. We don't have house church tonight. Uh, and also, if you would, love to give our staff the, the, the gift of teardown. They're accepting. So if you can hang out and help us tear down, we would really appreciate that. Uh, we don't officially end for another 33 minutes, so there you go. Well, the Lord bless you. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next week. You're dismissed.